well, go ahead and turn your Bibles to John chapter number 18. And while you're turning there, I'll tell you a couple stories. So uh, there was this guy. His wife wasn't feeling too great, so he took her into the hospital, and the doctor looked at her, and the doctor came back out, and he said, Sir, I, uh, I'm sorry to tell you this, but I don't like the looks of your wife. And the guy said, well, to be honest, Doc, I don't either. But she's a good cook, and she's good with the kids. So, <laughs> And then uh, this other guy, he went in. He needed a job, so he went to this watch factory to apply for a job. And it, the, the salary was $500 a week. And so he interviewed for the job and, and all. And then before he left, he, he said, you know what, sir, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to have to just be upfront with you and say, if I'm going to work for you, I need $1,000 a week, at least $1,000 a week. And the manager, he said, well, do you have any experience in this kind of work? And he said, well, no, but that's why, that's why I need more money, because if you don't know how to do the job, it's a whole lot harder to do it. <laughs> so, so we'll look in John chapter 18, and we're going to start reading in verse number 28. And it says here, Then led they Jesus from Caiaphas unto the hall of judgment. And it was early, and they themselves went not into the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out unto them and said, What accusation bring ye against this man? And they answered and said unto him, If he were not a malefactor, we would not have delivered up him up unto thee. Then said Pilate unto them, Take ye him, and judge him according to your law. The Jews therefore said unto him, It is not lawful for us to put any man to death, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spake, signifying what death he should die. Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again, and called Jesus, and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, saying, This, or uh, answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews, and saith unto them, I find in him no fault at all. But ye have a custom that I should release unto you one at the Passover, Will ye therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? Then cried they all again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. And let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll get into it here. Lord God, thank you for this day. I pray that um, as we look at your word here, that you would um, just encourage us. And, and even as we're looking at this idea of what is truth, Lord, that that would be solidified in our mind, and that we would... Um, just have that clarified, what truth is, and, and that you are truth, Lord. Um, I pray that if there's anybody 
in here that's maybe wondering what to believe or, or struggling with that question in their mind that, that uh, we might use this to help to solidify that. In your name we pray, amen. All right, so I was thinking about it. There's, I mean, truth is an important thing if you think about it. And I mean, I was thinking um, kind of on the lighter side, I remember back when I was a kid, I was kind of a, a little bit of a liar. And <laughs> I, uh, I remember this time, and I was always getting in trouble too. I remember my sister Naomi, she was just like the perfect girl, and I was always getting in trouble. And I remember I got kind of upset at her one time, and I thought, I'm going to get back at her. And so, and we were really young at this time. So I told her, did you know that when you get a few years older, when you start growing up a little more, you're going to turn into a boy? And... <laughs> And I mean, I guess nowadays that's actually what they teach people in school. But, <laughs> but I, I mean, I was, I was saying it in innocence back then, but I, I told her that. And she said, no, that's not true. And I said, yes, for real. It really is true. And I, I just told her over and over and over. And she finally started crying. And she was, she was so scared that she was going to turn into a boy. And I remember... She, she then was crying, and she went and asked my mom. And my mom clarified it with her, no, that she's going to stay a girl. And I, I was just thinking about that, though. And I might have even got in trouble for doing that, too. I, I don't remember. But, <laughs> but um, truth is important. I remember another time that um, in school, I think my dad had talked about a trick they had played on somebody when he was in school about how several of them went up to to somebody and said, you know what, you don't look very good, like you feel like uh, very good today. And several of his friends went up and told the same person that, and before you knew it, the the guy was, he was feeling bad. And so I was, I remember talking to a few of us in school and we thought, hey, let's try that out. And so we did, we tried it out on somebody and we just like one at a time, just kind of randomly would, say, do you feel okay today? And, and then another one would come and say, you're looking a little bit pale. Uh, are you sure you feel good? And I remember this, this person, after a few people came and told him that, he said, you know what? I Come to think of it, I didn't feel very good when I got up this morning. And before you know it, he was going home sick. And <laughs> so try it out sometime. It works. <laughs> but... I guess truth is important. Those are kind of funny things about, about mistruths, but truth is actually very important. And we see this question that Pilate asked. He asked Jesus, what is truth? And I believe that's an important question for us to, to clarify in our minds. What is truth? And something that I w- kind of got me thinking about this, this last week I, I heard about this religion called Scientology. Now, I don't know if anybody has ever, like, looked into that at all, but it is the most goofy, wackiest thing that you can imagine. And it, came, it was come up with by this guy who, I guess, has the record for writing the most fictional books out there, and, and then he started a religion. <laughs> but anyways, not to get too deep into that, but I was thinking, you know, there's all kinds of religions out there, and there's all kinds of different things that people could believe, and that stuff that's put out there is true. So how does a person decide what is truth? And I think it's a legitimate question. 
like a person that asked that question. Um, I remember back when I was younger and I remember some other guys um, that I was talking to and, and they said, well, how do we know that the Bible is true? Or how do we know that Christianity is true? And it's a legitimate question. I mean, we don't, we shouldn't just have blind faith that it is true without some proof. I, I don't believe. And like with any religion out there, with anything that we do in life, you want to have some proof before you jump headlong into something. And like if you're gonna if you're gonna put your money in with some kind of financial advisor, you want to have some proof that they're actually a legitimate financial advisor that you, that they're not gonna just uh, take your money and run with it. You know, there's been like these Ponzi schemes and stuff where where people will invest their money with somebody and then that person just up and disappears with all their money. And a lot of those people they're called con artists because they I guess because they can convince people of being legitimate when they aren't really and that's one thing about a lot of religions out there is a lot of religions are started by con artists that are good at convincing people that they're telling the truth but they don't really have any proof to back it up and that's what i believe differentiates jesus christ from every religious leader out there and i just want to consider a few things regarding jesus that i believe point to him being legitimate and then there's a lot of things that hinge off of that if he is actually legitimate but what is truth um truth of course is important in fact sometimes it's a matter of life and death i know i heard of a, a family that was this is back when gps was kind of first coming out and they were going on a trip or vacation someplace they punched in this address of where they were going in it the GPS took them out into the middle of the desert. And if I remember right, I think they actually wound up like running out of gas out there and then died from heat exhaustion or something. But it wound up being a really bad situation because they put their faith in a GPS and they, I guess they were kind of led to believe something that wasn't actually truth. Um, so truth is very important. Um, truth isn't always what I want it to be. Like what I want doesn't determine if something is actually true or not. Um, it's not always what I feel like it is. Like sometimes people say, well, I just feel that it's true. And that's not always the case. Sometimes we can feel something's true that's not actually the truth. And so that's, that's important to realize that is and like the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 17, the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked above all things. Who can know it? And um, another thing too, truth is not relative. Nowadays, you hear a lot of people talking about my truth and your truth. Well, that, that may be true for you, but I have my own truth. And that's a popular thing nowadays. But, and, and granted, there are some cases like where, where there are some things that are true for one person that may not be true for another person. Like, like I might could say, well, if I drink a cup of coffee right now, it'll keep me up all night. And somebody else could say, well, I could drink a cup of coffee right now and I'd be able to go to sleep just fine. That's a little different than the kind of truth we're talking about, though. We're talking about truth as far as Jesus Christ. And he made some claims that if those claims are true, then it, it affects everybody, not just a certain little group of people. He can't be true for some people and not true for others. Because the claims he made, um, they have to be true for every single person. It applies to everybody. Truth is exclusive. Um, in the case of Jesus Christ, he either is true or he is not true. He, he's either 
who he said he is or he's a complete liar and there's no in between there so either either we're um worshiping god right here as we're gathered in church tonight or we're worshiping a liar and so it's it's important to distinguish this is he really true or is he a liar um sometimes truth is not convenient because sometimes in order to accept truth we have to accept that we're wrong about some things and so just thinking about that truth is very important now when we consider truth and how to tell if something's true there's there's some important things to consider i brought with me a silver coin and i also have with me a quarter so i was thinking about it and there's like there's also imitation silver coins and there's got to be a way to to distinguish which one is actually true, which one's legitimate, and which one is false. And so I was thinking about it. How do you tell if you have real silver or not? And so just a couple things I'll just say that I found out is I guess on silver coins, you can sometimes look and see. Usually it'll say that it's silver on it. So like this one says 999 uh, fine silver, one troy ounce. So it, it makes the claim. If it doesn't make the claim, then then there's less chance of it actually being silver. But when it makes the claim, then I guess that's one thing to look for. Another thing, too, to, to think about, something else you could do is I have a little magnet here. And if you put a magnet on that silver dollar, if it sticks to it, that means it's not an actual silver dollar. That means it's a fake one. And so, because silver is a non-ferrous metal, so it's not going to stick if it's legitimate. Another thing that I found out that's actually kind of interesting is if you take silver, it's got a high thermal conductivity. And so if you take an ice cube and set it on that piece of silver, I didn't bring any ice up here, but if you take an ice cube and set it on that silver, it will immediately start to melt that ice like it was sitting on a hot surface because silver draws the, the it's, it's so highly thermally conductive that it just draws the cold right out and it causes that ice to melt a lot faster than it would on another type of metal. Um, another one too is the sound of it. If you, if you will take silver and drop it, it has a ring to it. Or if you like hit it with another piece of metal, I don't know if you can hear that, but it, it kind of has a ring that other metals don't have. Um, that's probably where that saying, have you ever heard if it rings true? I'm, I'm guessing that's probably where it came from is because if it's legitimate, it's going to have a ring to it. And then uh, there's also different test kits that you can get to put on the silver. You can actually test it with acid and there's acid test kits that you could put a little drop on it and then it'll turn it a certain color if it actually is silver. You can also put bleach on it and bleach will cause the silver to tarnish. And so there's different tests that you can do to determine if something's real. Well, I believe there's tests that we can do to determine, is Jesus actually who he said he is? Because he told Pilate there, I'm going to read it one more time. In verse 37, he said, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. And then also, if you remember, in John chapter 14, in verse number 6, Jesus made a claim there. In verse 5, it says, Thomas saith unto him, Lord, 
We know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Notice how exclusive he is there. He said, I am the way. He didn't say, I am a way. He said, I am the truth, not a truth. I am the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He was very exclusive in his claim there. And in that exclusivity, it basically rules out everything else. Because if he's actually the truth, that means nothing else is the truth. Or that no other claim that contradicts what he claimed is the truth. And so, is Jesus the truth? Just a couple things. And there's a lot more things that we could kind of include in this test. But for the sake of time, I'm just going to give a few. But first off, if Jesus is really the truth, we would expect him to pass the test of prophecy in the Old Testament, right? Because the Old Testament prophets made some predictions about what the Messiah would be like. And in fact, uh, some Bible scholars have said that there's 333 different prophecies about the Messiah in the Old Testament. And you got to remember that the Old Testament was hundreds of years before Jesus Christ was actually born. I mean, um, the Malachi the last book of the Old Testament, I believe, was written about 400 years before the time of Christ. So if you put that in comparison, um, America was founded in 1776, right? So you figure, I mean, right now we're in 2023. That's how many years ago? 350 years ago now, approximately. I mean, there was actually more time between the last book of the Old Testament and the time of Christ than there is between us and the founding of America. So these prophets made some predictions that they had no way of being able to tell unless God revealed it to them. And just to name a few of them, they named the, the, uh, that the Messiah would be born of a virgin in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. He said, that, Behold, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And so it gave that prophecy that the Messiah would be born of a virgin. And it also gave the prophecy of the place of his birth in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. And let's turn there because I can't quote it from memory. But hopefully I can find it, though. <laughs> let's see. So Micah chapter 5, verse 2. And it says here, But thou, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is, to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. So this prophesies the place of his birth. It also says that he's God. So right there, he is, I mean, he is the one from old, from everlasting. That is nobody other than God himself. Um, it, it gives the, in Isaiah chapter 35, it talks about his miracles. Let's turn there. Isaiah chapter 35. And if you look at verse 5 and 6, it says, Then the eyes of the blind shall be open, uh, opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as in heart, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out, and streams in the desert. 
And so here's prophecy that the Messiah would kill people. He would open the eyes of the blind, open the, the deaf ears, cause lame people to walk again. Um, in Isaiah chapter 53, it tells some of the, the other things about the Messiah. In verse 3, it says, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Right there, this, this chapter in Isaiah goes through a lot of the suffering that Jesus went through and how his own people rejected him. And then it says in verse 4, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. So it tells how he would be despised and rejected. It also tells about how he would be abused and, and beaten and, and ultimately die. And even in Psalm chapter 22, it talks about how th the type of death that he would die, how he would be pierced and how his beard would be plucked, how he would, how he would be, uh, his hands and his feet would be pierced and also how not a bone would be broken in him. When you think about that, I mean, for all those things to kind of be into play, I mean, that's kind of specific, isn't it, about those different details. And then you think about it then on the cross, the normal uh, way that they would kill somebody on the cross after they'd been up there for a while would be actually to break their legs, and that would cause them to suffocate um, because all that weight would be then on their their hands in order to breathe on the cross they had to pull up and push up with their feet and they had to do that in order to be able to get a breath because whenever whenever they would hang back down it would basically collapse their diaphragm and so the only way that a person could breathe on a cross is to push up against those spikes and get a breath and then let themselves back down until they needed a breath again and so eventually they die of asphyxiation um, but in order to, if they wanted to speed the process up, they'd break the legs. And we know that that's what they were going to do. And they found Jesus had actually already died. They pierced him. And they found that out of his side flowed blood and water, which was a sign that he had died. But um, I would say there's a whole bunch more prophecies we could look at in the Old Testament. But for the sake of time, we're not going to look at those. But Jesus passes that test as far as fulfilling Old Testament prophecies. Uh, another test, what about the prophecies that he himself gave? He gave some prophecies himself as far as his death and resurrection as well. In the book of Matthew chapter number 12 and verse number 38, he says here, um, then certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and an adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. There shall no sign be given it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And so he gave that sign. He said, well, just like Jonah was in the whale's belly for three days and three nights before he got spit out, I'm going to go to the heart of the earth or I'm going to be buried for three days and three nights. And I'm going to rise again. If you look a couple chapters over in uh, chapter 16, in verse 21. And 
let's see, actually, verse, uh, yeah, verse 21, it says, From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. So here Jesus made this prophecy concerning himself, that he was going to die, that he was going to be buried, and that he was going to resurrect. That one thing there with the resurrection is the one, I would say, distinguishing future of Jesus Christ versus every other religious and cult leader that's out there is the resurrection. There's not a single one of them that has predicted their resurrection. Well, some of them have predicted their resurrection, but they didn't. But Jesus did. And just to, there's, there's a lot of uh, things that we could point to as far as the resurrection. I'll just name just a few. Um, not to get too deep into it, but you can look into it yourself. But there's, there's a, an overwhelming abundance of evidence that the resurrection actually took place. Now, that's kind of a, like people don't just get up out of caskets and stuff every day, you know that. But, and, and it's, it's scientifically impossible. And yet if you actually look at the uh, evidence around it, I mean, we have to, we, have to, we would have to basically come to the conclusion that if it did happen, it was a supernatural event. And so if it did happen, then Jesus was who he said he was. He claimed to be God, and that's the only way that the resurrection could have actually taken place is if he, if he is God. Um, just a few um, things that I'm not going to talk about in great detail, but a few little proofs of the resurrection. Um, for one, you think about the embarrassing events surrounding the resurrection. Okay, so that might not make sense, but but uh, who was the first people that found out that he was risen from the dead? It was it was the women, wasn't it? Now back in those days, uh, the testimony of women was not actually really considered valid, like they couldn't testify in a court of law, and yet here women were the first ones to actually discover that he was dead. Now if somebody had made this up, don't you think they would have put somebody? And, and Mary Magdalene on top of that, who was not, she was considered a woman of ill repute. But don't you think if somebody was making this story up, fabricating this story, writing a, a fictional work, don't you think they would have come up with some better witnesses to put as their, their main witnesses for this event? And yet they put these kind of embarrassing details. Also included is, is the fact that the disciples were cowards during this time. Now, if they wanted to proclaim themselves or like if they were trying to fabricate this story, they would have probably kind of put themselves in a better light and not shown what cowards they actually were. Another thing, too, is they were cowards, and yet all of a sudden, for some, for some reason, they changed from being absolute cowards that were hiding in a room, fearful for their life, to being bold witnesses for Jesus Christ. There obviously had to be some event that triggered them to have a total change of attitude. And the only, the only thing that could really explain that is that Jesus rose from the dead and appeared to them. Um, you look at the, the evidence of the Roman soldiers and the Jewish priests. Um, those Roman soldiers, if, if the body had been stolen out of that tomb, then those Roman soldiers would have been executed on the spot. That was the, the law. If somebody snuck into a tomb or whatever, if they fell asleep on duty, and that's the story they gave, 
is that they fell asleep on duty. Well, that was totally unlawful for them to do. These were trained soldiers, and if they fell asleep on the job, they'd immediately sacrifice their life for it. And so they said, we, we fell asleep, and his body was stolen. Well, why weren't they executed then? In fact, they were given bribe money to say that. That contradicts reason. It contradicts the way things actually ran at that time. Um, you look at other things. I mean, there was over in the book of 2 Corinthians, it talks about how there was over 500 people that saw him at one time. And many people saw him in, in other groups at various times. Um, 500 people can't hallucinate the same thing all at one time, can they? I mean, it doesn't matter how much weed they smoke. They're not all going to see the same thing. So there's just so many different things that we would have to say that, I mean, legitimately looking at it, he rose from the dead. And that differentiates him from everybody else. And because of that, if we come to that conclusion, then we also need to come to the conclusion that we need to believe everything he said, don't we? Doesn't that prove that he was legitimate? And if he was legitimate, then we need to just trust what he said. Now, something I was thinking about that's actually kind of sad, if you look back at John chapter um, 18, where we first started, and you look at Pilate here, and he made that statement there, in verse 38, he said, what is truth? And then look at verse number one of chapter 19. It says, then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe and said, hail, king of the Jews. And they smote him with their hands. Pilate therefore went forth again and said unto them, behold, I bring him forth unto you that ye may know that I find no fault in him. And I was thinking about that. Here's Pilate. He said, I don't find any fault in Jesus. And he even put a sign on the cross that said, Jesus, this is Jesus, King of the Jews. Now, I don't know for sure if he came to the conclusion that Jesus was the truth at that point. I'm not quite sure what conclusion that he came to. He may have just not wanted to deal with it. And that's kind of what I think is he, he didn't want to make the conclusion he didn't want to have an opinion on it as far as if he was the truth or not. But that's a dangerous place to be in. And as you see for Pilate, it, it wasn't a good situation. I think there's a lot of people nowadays, though, that want to kind of put that decision off. They say, uh, well, maybe, maybe he was, maybe he's not. I don't really have an opinion about it. I'm, there's people that want to be agnostic, basically. They they think, well, maybe there's a God, maybe there's not a God. I don't really know. I don't really have an opinion about it. And they think somehow that by not having an opinion, that basically absolves them of responsibility. But it doesn't. Jesus is one person that we have to either come to the conclusion he is the truth or he's not the truth. We can't be in between. In fact, Jesus himself said, um, you are either with me or against me. He that is not with me is against me. And so that's the conclusion that every single one of us as an individual has to come to. Is Jesus the truth? Not is Jesus um, the truth for some people, but not for me. Or not even is Jesus my truth. We do have to make it personal. 
But he's the truth for everybody, whether they accept it or not. And, but we do have to accept it personally. And when we accept that he's the truth personally, we need to do something about it. We need to come to him, fall on our face and repent and ask for his forgiveness. Because if he is the truth, then he also died on the cross to take our place, to pay for our sins, to save us from those sins, to give us a new life, to change us, to make us a new creature in him. And he can. I mean, if he's the truth, if he rose from the dead, then he's also capable of raising us from the dead, right? He's also capable of changing our lives and giving us victory in our life. He's capable of, of releasing us from bondages and addictions and various things that we face in our own life. He's capable of giving us victory because he, gave, uh, he, he gained victory over death. So is he the truth? That's the question today. What is truth? Is Jesus the truth or is he not the truth? Do we follow him or do we not follow him? That's the question. So I want us to think about that this evening. And thanks for putting up with me and listening. But let's, let's just bow our heads, have a word of prayer, and then.